Hello and welcome to Cloud Automation Weekly. My name is Thorsten Höger and I'm here to talk about automating your AWS cloud infrastructure. Today I'm joined by Paul Swale to talk about automated testing of serverless apps. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks Thorsten. Thanks for having me. Well, folks are just meeting you for the first time. Could you share a bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. My name is Paul Swale. I'm from Belfast in Ireland. Um, I work as an independent cloud consultant, um, helping small teams get started, mainly with serverless technologies on AWS. Um, yeah, so I've been working probably for about 20 years as a, in software engineering architecture, been self-employed for about half of that time. So Yeah, that sounds fun. And yeah, as a software developer and as a consultant on software development, Testing is always a topic. So I had mm -hmm. previous episodes where we tackled testing and why we should do it. So maybe you can enlighten us how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think starting with that, the why is always good as well. So yeah, the how is with serverless. I think people understand the why just general in the software engineering space, like for preventing um, bugs getting into production. That's part one of the reasons uh, <laughs> and as a regression test suite. But I think... Um, assume people you know understand the benefits of testing just and but a lot of people using serverless I find struggle with just writing tests like <laughs> several clients who just have zero tests because um, they just didn't know oh, how do you test this it, it, it works different serverless differently it's all on the cloud you can't really run it locally so it's too hard to write tests so I won't write tests is often a scenario which plays out um, or they just write sort of unit tests for their bits of code that they can write, but it's a, they're of little value. Um, that's the, that's an argument that I guess with serverless compared to sort of monolithic server-based apps, um, unit tests only cover so much. Like if you've got lots of small lambdas, but they're all chained via a very a big event-driven architecture, unit test isn't going to... It's useful in its own right, but there's still a lot of failure points around that. So... A big thing that I try to push is writing integration sort of level tests or NDN sort of higher um, at a higher entry point to focus on those more so um, just because the nature of the errors, the failure scenarios, um, there are a lot more of those in integration, like stuff getting configured wrong, whatever deployment framework you're using, serverless framework, CDK, SST, whatever, it will like things can go wrong just via your infrastructure code, not just your application code. So you're you're kind of testing that that everything's set up and hooked together correctly, and your configuration is all okay. Um, so yeah, that's at a high level. There's there's a lot more tactical stuff around um, testing specific scenarios, which we could get into. But yeah, at a high level, I guess that's the the kind of principle that I follow is do more integration testing and less unit testing than you probably would have done in your non serverless apps. There's still place for both, but that's kind of the the, the direction that I've, I would give people. And I'm not sure if you agree with me, because I think I heard I'm going to say, was it a couple of episodes ago I was listening? And I remember you were talking around one, one of your guests. Um, she was, I think she was making a point around this. So I would be interested to see, well, for, is that something, would you agree with that yourself? Or um, Yeah, you're remembering correctly. This was um, the episode with, with Tina and we were like, so, so I say I, I'm doing unit tests first. So if, if all my Lambda functions, because that's the code I write, if they work with the unit tests, I'm pretty sure that this code is, is working and I have more confidence in AWS doing their job than in my code working. So I'm testing, mm. doing unit tests to test my code. 
everything else is handled by AWS and I'm pretty sure it works. Um, so I'm doing integration tests, but most of the time, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there are more bugs in my code than in integration in AWS. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I think it's also though, you're, you're also like the stuff which once it's on AWS, AWS will manage the service, but you have to tell AWS correctly how to like wheel everything together, what IAM permissions and what filter rules on your on your on your like your event bridge buses, just all that or your there's a lot of things which isn't like in your Node.js code or whatever language you write your code in that could go wrong. <laughs> and that's kind of where that's I think if you're coming from a non-traditional or a traditional sort of server-based model, that's what I'm just trying to adjust people's um thing because people's viewpoints to say right that it will more likely feel um for you you will probably be better at writing your normal code um, because you're used to that that level that programming language whereas configuring the uh, your your how do you hook the different um things together is quite can be quite error prone especially in AWS environment where there's lots of ways to do things yeah i think that that's the difference and that's why maybe we're not even on, on different opinion but Coming from, okay, we're doing API gateway and Lambda. Unit mm -hmm. tests are fine, and you need a lot of unit tests because all your code is in Lambda. And integration from API gateway will call the right Lambda function. Yeah, that will, have, that will work. The moment you're doing really serverless applications with step functions, with event bridge, with filtering, with all these things, then I'm totally with you. You need to have yeah. integration tests because then your logic is in the infrastructure. And then you need all these tests you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess even even with um, like synchronous API gateway to Lambda to, to DynamoDB, let's assume that even with that, I would still favor integration tests mainly because like I need to query DynamoDB. I don't want to mock out a database. Like it's by a lot of most of my logic is very simple. It's in the in the database query that yeah. I'm running, so it's it's nearly easy. It still needs to hit a database which responds. I don't want to mock that out. Um, yes, if there's a bit of business logic, if I have a sort of in-memory piece of code, yeah, I'll certainly write a unit test for that, but a lot of it is in the actual API call to DynamoDB or to uh, whatever call, that I, and I need to make sure that that query runs. Uh, and the effort in setting it up is, is almost, it's, yeah, it needs an AWS environment to, to run and it will be a little slower because of the latency, but um, yeah, it just yeah. It, it, I guess it depends how complex the business logic is in your Lambda function. Yeah, so that um, maybe that's exactly the thing. So if you go through Dynamo and it's just some queries, do integration tests. If you have a Lambda function that's calculating something with an algorithm, you want to have tests for this algorithm without going through integration tests. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's the the thing. So. Yeah, tackling the obvious elephant in the room. What about local testing? Yeah, I yeah. In terms of um, I I would like local testing as in local like unit tests. Running your this, serverless I, I, application on your machine. Okay. Yeah, I haven't done that. I um, I generally have been building sort of API apps, not full stack apps. I can see the benefit if you were. I know some people who do full stack, so they're. Whereas they have it like on a hot reload for the the web app and their their back end running serverless offline. It's a, it's a serverless framework plugin which effectively hosts a local API gateway. There, I can see the benefits to that because instantly it will um you you're you're making an API you're making a front end change and then you're you're building your API at the same time and you want it iterating fast. But I find with if you're purely building the back end, I just 
it's as, it's almost as easy um to run it um look um just in the cloud um like if there is a piece of logic which i need to run locally like a unit test which is literally just testing the code then that can be run locally but the api calls um i generally use um i i i have most for most of my projects i've used serverless framework which had a you can deploy the single function so you can sort of do a relatively quick second or two to to round trip to deploy that function um but yeah there are other serverless stack sst is a new framework which i've started looking into i think it's built on top of cdk so it uses a nice method for it, it kind of is the best of both worlds you're you're deploying it's still going through your cloud infrastructure but the actual it proxies calls back to the lambda function running on your machine and back to the cloud to any downstream resources so it's it's actually very nice but um to give you that instant instantaneous change so it changes it uh, and you don't really need to go through that deploy step yeah yeah sst is definitely the thing i was looking into earlier and i'm constantly checking what they are doing i'm not very happy with some of the decisions that's why i'm not using it okay but um i, I totally see that uh, yeah running the things in the cloud is, is the way to go not emulating it locally i'm just collecting guests and telling me this so it's not it's not only my opinion to not do this but there are other people out there that think the same way my yeah. main reason is you limit yourself to services that can be run locally you will not use a service a new service yeah yeah totally true yeah so yeah you're it's not going to there's things like iam permissions which just won't get tested so you'll configure them and they'll work locally and then they won't work in the cloud you'll need to set them up separately but yeah you won't like yeah simple services like databases which well not it's not simple but it's easier to emulate like a database there are there's dynamic local um and uh, local stack other local stack but yeah i don't know if eventbridge has a local equivalent or step functions has one but it's limited um so those kind of services yeah you are going to be limited and yeah the default as you say will be i won't it won't get used at all yeah i'm not using events because i cannot run it locally i will just call the lambda function because i can't do it locally and mm. then it's not the ideal architecture because of testing limitations on your machine yeah and you get into lots of code branches where an if local this else this so and it just gets messy yeah so how do you run tests um in these integration tests? so how do you write them and how do you run them um so i'm from sort of new js typescript background so i for the most time i've used jest which is like a, a pop i think it was it was created in facebook jest jest js it's a test runner um i've recently changed this is kind of I've talked to some of the SST folks who used, I think, VI test. Um, it's, it's it's effectively the same as Jest, but it's just the describe. It's it's kind of like a BDD style test um, definitions. You describe it, and then you add your test cases, and the test runner um, will just run them. Um, so the nice thing is, it you've each file they call a suite. The, the test suite of files so you can parallelize each file so if you keep each individual test suite um it will run the test within that suite in series but if you have lots of files it will parallelize them so they'll all they can all be run in parallel um there are some things you need to be careful about um like around if you're hitting the same downstream resources you could get race conditions but um it's quite powerful to run and the the vi test 
tool that I was mentioning, the main benefit of it over Jest is speed. It, it like, runs pretty instantaneously. Yep. So, but basically, you're you're using a normal test runner like Jest, yeah, test, Mocha, whatever is is there. Their unit for using Java. Yeah. So it's the same. Yeah, using the same sort of general like so that general developers not don't need to know anything new for serverless because yeah, it, the tests are generally the same. Um, some of the, the some of the more edge ed tests where they do asynchronous calls are kind of strange in that the thing that you have to assert on is is different. Um, but the actual test framework itself and the test running is is generally um, yeah, it's just using general purpose test runners. And inside your your single test, then you're just like just just calling the API and then looking, for example, in the database if the data is there as you expected it and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's a synchronous API gateway call through to DynamoDB, yeah, that's something which is just yeah. There may be some test setup you need to do to create some data initially, and or the more complex ones are the likes of yeah. I've just this should have fired an event in EventBridge or something like that. And that you can't quite hook up into it. You can't, there's no way of like testing. You can't query EventBridge and say, did you get that event after the fact? So there's more advanced techniques where you can, if you want to get into testing those scenarios, um, there's like ways of hooking up temporary resources um, to to listen for those for those events or similar to queues. Yeah, it, it's, it's a similar. So say if an event, if a, if an API call um, should have pushed a message to a queue, um, yeah, just querying that queue um, to see did that message actually get sent. There are there is actually a there is a, a, a JavaScript library for AWS testing help for 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 making those calls with it effectively uses the AWS SDK under the hood, but it queries SQS um, SNS. It can query CloudWatch logs to check did something get logged out. Um, there's different things that you can test test on. So basically a serverless assertion library to Ex see yeah. that things happened as you expected them to happen. But you're looking yeah. into the thing. So it's not black box testing, like sending an API call and seeing what comes back, really looking into the system and seeing what's happening. Yeah, yeah. For 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 these for these um asynchronous use cases where there's an asynchronous message flow where you're you could do a total end to end test and just call the initial call, wait for everything to happen and then check the the final downstream event. But if you're say you're building sort of a service based architecture and you're only responsible for publishing the serve the event, you don't care how it's consumed. You don't really you have to just your your test then needs to test just that that message got published in the right scenario. Yeah, I, I, asynchronicity or a sort of concurrency is a big issue with a lot of these these type calls. So your test may be like it make make the request too soon before. Um, it's been say before uh, a queue gets a message to a queue gets published. You may query it too soon before it's available, and then it, it will fail. So there is a there's an async retry library which effectively you configure say pull pull every one second for a total of five seconds um, to for this message. So the polling effectively means you won't get a flaky test due to race conditions, something being there or something not. So you can tell it to pull and retry for a, a configurable amount of time before it gives up and fails the test. I think that's a, a good thing because one way would calling too early and then getting flaky tests or having, let's wait five seconds and having slow tests. Yeah, yep. 
yeah, that's it. That's it. So yeah, you get one or the other. So this gives you a be the best of both. And yeah, this library makes the syntax a bit nicer because doing that for every test, um, it's just quite a lot of boilerplate, just doing the, the polling. So yeah, that sounds interesting. So do you also use something like that for step functions or how do you test step functions? Because now yeah. we're, serverless is moving to a functionless um, development. So how do we test things like step functions? Yeah, well, moving to functionless is a yeah a few others we're having. To, that's probably worth debating as well the benefit the benefits and drawbacks of that. But yeah, just testing step functions. That's there are I I, was, I think I had a chat that's probably over a year ago with the step functions team around this, and they they were bringing out um they have brought out step functions local um which allows you to run to mock the responses to certain states or the, to force um a step function state machine down a certain path. Um, which is useful because effectively you're building what you can't test is exceptional paths. They're very hard to force. Um, whereas if it's in your code, you can use mocking. If it's in a in your function and you want to force like an error, you can you you can mock it to to force to test your error handling branch. Um, but you can't really do that easily with step functions. And a big use case of step functions is saga like saga patterns, where if something happens, happy path, happy path, something bad happens go back, roll back, part of it, roll back. So those kind of workflows are really hard to test um, apart from the happy path. So it's something which um, I've generally just tested the individual lambdas and each, so, and kept the logic within the step function as simple as possible. <laughs> so it's not really, it, it hadn't been very, it's repeatable, the test. So it's a kind of like, deliberately throwing an error in one Lambda function to force it. Um, it's But it's not something that you could commit to your your, co your code base um, until like with the step functions local, it introduced the ability to to mock out certain states. Um, but yeah, there, there, are, there were other drawbacks to it because it needed to be running at Docker locally and the kind of your whole CICD setup needs to change. It's quite, it gets a lot more heavier once you need to do that. Um, and just, it was very verbose how you had to, just it was a JSON syntax, which was very verbose to set up your tests. So, um, yeah, it, there, there is no really nice way of doing it right now. I would say it's still not a great testing experience. And I think it's even getting more complicated if you're not hooking up lambdas using step functions, but using all the SDK integrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's like there is a I wrote a blog post this over a year ago by comparing the pros and cons functionless and I. I can't, I keep changing my mind. <laughs> like a lot of the sort of heroes and folks are all pushing it. I'm kind of still. I don't know. Um, testing is one of the reasons why. Obviously, it's it, it's good because of it, it's fast and it's supposedly it's managed by AWS and there are less failure modes because because it's managed by AWS. It will either and it doesn't you don't need to upgrade your dependencies like your code your npm dependencies for it. Um, but I think that's fine. It's all good if you if your developers all know AWS and are very experienced in it. But showing that to uh, where most developers currently are who are starting to get into serverless, they don't have they just know their language that they 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 um their their general purpose programming programming language and it's very new concepts to right, okay this is how you configure the integration to tell this step to write to DynamoDB or to call S three or um or and then what started as a simple direct integration, then the business requests a small bit of logic or something changed, something needs to change, and then it gets more complex. And then you're trying to do something in 
a constricted environment and you have to just eject and put a lambda function in and so i don't know i th- i still think functionless is overhyped in by certain in certain areas because but if if something is simple um if it's a simple pass through integration and it's not likely to change then yes go for it but yeah i still have <laughs> quite a few lambda functions <laughs> I, I totally see what you mean so so writing code is like yeah writing this instead of functions is a lot of boilerplate and json for that could have been three lines of node.js um so yeah i tend to use lambda functions for my applications where i really love the functionless approach is when writing automation for the aws organization for example for customers like mm-hmm. whenever a new account is created do some things or mm-hmm. react to events that are happening in the org principal account do something because as you said, no dependency management, no updates, yeah. no Lambda runtimes, and not necessarily, oh yeah, you're owning some Lambda functions now and you have no idea what they do. So it's yeah. there's a step function and will not break in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think that, because you're, you're almost your own customer in that, and you are the user when you're building the, the infrastructure. Those like The only person who's going to make a change is, is you, <laughs> or you'll say, okay, so you're not... Uh, there's a lot less scope for that type of thing changing, I think, um, in the future. Especially when handing it over to a customer. Say, yeah, I figured, uh, configured your AWS environment. It's doing some things. And yeah. if this is hidden in step functions with direct connections, they don't need to touch it. Otherwise, a year from now, they will get start, start getting emails from AWS. Please update your runtime. And so yep. what runtime? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, step functions testing seems to be... Yeah, open for improvements. <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked at it in about six months, but yeah, the last time I looked at it in depth, it wasn't like it was still open for improvements. Is the best way. We had integration tests and to-end tests. Would you build new environments to run these integration tests, or run it in a shared environment during your CI/CD pipeline? Yeah, I it it, it kind of depends on a lot of um the the client needs. So my default sort of approach is developers firstly run are able to run the tests in their own personal development environment so i tend to say individual developers have their own if not their own aws account they have their own stack within azure a development account and the stack would have like their initials or whatever so it's all isolated for that developer so they can deploy and run their own um integration into end tests against their own stack locally outside of any git commits or, or CICD pipelines. Once they're happy, they can then um, push it um, to one of the branches or to, and that will kick off their CICD, CICD pipelines. So I I haven't, I generally try to push trunk-based development. So um, I, um, I haven't really done many ephemeral environments as such. So it's not spinning up a total environment for each, um, for each pull request. So I've generally gone with a more simpler um, deploy it. Once it gets into, um, it, once it's merged to main, it will uh, run deploy to a staging environment, run a lot of tests um, there, run unit tests before deployment and linting, that sort of stuff. Um, deploy, run integration and end-to-end tests after deployment. Um, if that passes, possibly an optional um, human approval step depending on the business needs um if not automatically just start the deployment to production um for production i've kind of often a lot of the your automated tests aren't appropriate for production um 
because they create data or they have sort of side effects, which may create, create fan, financial transactions. So I typically run a subset of um, a subset of the end-to-end tests as smoke tests in production. So it's just it's effectively some basic connectivity type tests, read-only, low, low impact tests uh, that just do a minimal set of um, checks. Like if you've good monitoring in place, it would probably um, detect those anyway. But it's something which um, it's relatively easy to do. In, in Jest, you can kind of tag tests as with any sort of label and use a regex and only run a subset of those. Uh, yes. So uh, basically running these tests in, in different environments, but having a shared environment for staging and not every deployment creating a new environment, running the tests and tearing it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see the benefits of creating like there. There are benefits just in terms of ensuring no no manual tampering in, but turning it up and down. But I think what I like about not turning it down is because, especially with cloud formation based deployments, um, by you're kind of testing the deployment. If every, especially if it's a fully automated trunk based development flow, the delta that gets deployed to staging is the same delta that gets deployed to production. Whereas if you're tearing staging down and building it from scratch and running your automated tests and that all passes, yet you may still have, there's there's an, like, an example of this is say you've added two or three new DynamoDB indexes. So you're, you're <laughs> yeah. And then, so your deployment to staging will all pass because you've built it from scratch. Whereas you'll go to deploy it to production and it'll fail because it's say you can only deploy one change at each time and then that's just so that's that's kind of my reasoning for keeping the whatever gets applied to staging the same as what gets applied to the diff that gets applied to production yeah that's that's perfectly reasonable and a good good thing but the fact that you brought up the same example i had in my mind means maybe the cloudformation or dynamodb team should look into this absurd um situation yeah yeah because to fix it is a real pain. Like you need to get your get your comment and indexes and roll them back. You kind of roll them forward, but roll them back. You have to comment stuff out, and then you have to do that through. Especially if you have a pipeline to to release it through, it, it's a very slow fix. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense because it, it's a change in my desired infrastructure, and, and it should just handle yeah. the way to get there. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's uh, that's perfect. That's interesting. So yeah, running your own uh, environments and then deploying to to staging. One thing that comes to my mind, um, how do you find these resources? If you have resources in developer accounts, in staging, in production, how does your test find the resources to call? Yeah. So again, using serverless framework, there are so there's a deployment step. Uh, say let's say API gateway. That's effectively a configuration endpoint that your test will need to know the URL for. So um there is there's a plugin, an export ENV, which effectively you run so your 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 CICD pipeline runs serverless deploy, and you can then run the export. There's an export command, which is a plugin for the framework, and it will then download. Um, you can specify what values you want it to download and store it in an ENV file. And then the test just reads the ENV file, like API URL from that, and yeah, makes the relevant um, HTTP calls to the to the API. Yeah, but you, you can use the same for Coconado user pools or any any sort of resources. You can sort of export those using the serverless framework plugin to to an ENV file based on because it knows the stack that it's just deployed. So they're 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 effectively outputs of the stack. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I think this has really been great. Um, where can people find more about you online? 
Sure. Uh, yeah, my website is serverlessfirst.com. I've got um, write blog posts and um, an email course there if you, anybody wants to sign up. And on Twitter, I'm at Paul Sweel. So, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for joining me today. Okay, thanks, Torsten. Cheers. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Torsten Hoeger, and I hope you join me again next time for Cloud Automation Weekly.